Live from Gross Point, Michigan, it's time for the number one radio show in the private service industry, where private service professionals can discuss topics that pertain to their industry. And now, here is your host, DEMA National President, Matthew Hack. Hello and welcome back to another edition of DEMA Live, a radio call-in show for the private service industry. I'm your host, Matthew Hack, and today I'm joined by my special co-host, private service professional, DJ Haverkamp. This week's guest is Eric Dobson of Angel Capital Investing Group. Have you ever wondered how your principal is able to find that company that no one has heard of to invest in? Well, today we're going to be discussing this topic and how it impacts you as a private service professional. However, before we get started, let me first introduce my co-host, private service professional, DJ Haverkamp. DJ, as usual, we've had a a busy weekend, and uh, one of the important things that uh, went on uh, were the Oscars. So my first question to you was, uh, were you happy with the outcome? (laughs) Hi, Matt. Great to talk with you again. The Oscars were fun, fun party. I... uh didn't get to see all the movies that were up for nomination, but was pleased with the outcome. And it was fun as I was reflecting on the Oscars and the Academy Awards, I was thinking about some of the background uh, things that were happening with coordinating. I know a lot of those of us who work in private service were probably thinking about the gowns and all of the things that went into orchestrating that event. And so it was quite interesting to sort of think about how that was all getting pulled off from behind the scenes. But, you know, in light of our topic this week, it was also interesting for me to be sort of reflecting on how some of the actors that were being nominated and even some of the folks who who are in the film industry are sometimes they're folks that were just plain individual people that got into a career and then suddenly found themselves with quite a a large uh, amount of wealth. And I think in light of our topic and Eric's uh, interest in his field of work, I think uh, it would be interesting to use that as an example for some of our discussions later on in the show today. So very timely in that regard. Excellent. Well, I don't want to be rude to uh, to Mr. Dobson. So, Eric, let's go ahead and welcome you to the show. Uh, welcome to DEMA Live, Eric. Oh, glad to be here. Thanks for the opportunity, gents. No worries. Eric, I'd like to, to start off today. Uh, a lot of our members work for uh, people who would be considered high net wealth individuals, or some of sometimes they'll work for pe- for folks who work in the financial industry. And I thought maybe we could just start out by talking a little bit about what wealth is and what a high net wealth individual is, and just sort of the general idea of of wealth and how that might play into some of the things that your your business does. Oh, yeah, fantastic place to start. Um, you know, we we think of obviously there are levels of wealth. There are what we call accredited investors, and that's an SEC definition, and that basically means that an individual has at least a million dollars in net worth. Now, I won't bother you with the, bore you with a history lesson, but those those uh, that threshold was set in 1933. <laughs> so you can see that in 33, that was an absolutely fabulous amount of wealth. Whereas today, in you know 2016. 
you know, that, that means you, you know, you own a nice home <laughs> in a nice neighborhood. So, you know, the, the, the concept of wealth has changed over time, especially in, in relation to uh, angel investing. But you know, we see, obviously, there are, there are the comfortable, there are the wealthy, and there are the, you know, the, the, the very wealthy and the super wealthy. And we think of those in terms of where they tend to invest. You know, the and whether those are angel investors or what we call super angels, some some individuals, some high net worth individuals become wealthy enough that they act like uh, the the other form of of equity investing, which is sort of venture capital. Uh, so, you know, there where a person typically invests depends on a couple of different things, and part of that is their community outlook. Um, you know. And quite frankly, how big a deal has to be just to be worth their time, and that mm-hmm. that's a that's often a, a deciding factor. Yeah. So, if an individual has has uh, built up wealth sort of gradually over time, or if they suddenly become wealthy to some degree, what do you see as you as you interact with folks who have a level of wealth? as the kinds of things that they're using or doing with the 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 power or the wealth that's that's associated with having a a level of financial resources sure yeah, again that's a that's a it's a fantastic uh, question you know wealth you know it, it wealth carries with it some responsibility which i think is is hard for a lot of people to understand uh the other thing it does it breeds tremendous opportunity uh, so the, the hard part is really filtering through all the opportunity and best using your skills, you know, to grow that wealth and, and, mm-hmm. but, but also to give back. We see, you know, it's very strong ethos from, from the, the folks that we deal with is a, is a desire to give back to their communities. They've been successful and they want to share that success. They want to help others through that path. And this is especially true of new money. You'll see that a lot with, uh, with new money. I mean, think about being, you know, Ashton Kutcher or some sports figure that just come from relative obscurity to you know become very wealthy. Well, there's a there's a both a, an opportunity and a, in many ways a responsibility, you know, to to give back and help others achieve that kind of success. Um, so that that's part of the fun of my job is is working with people to to meet both those goals. Mm, that's great. So when talking about your company, can you can you kind of clarify is your company an investing company we are this is not okay we we jokingly say this is not a social welfare program it is is, there's a difference between philanthropy excuse me if i can get over my own tongue here philanthropy and investing Uh, the great part is for us you get to do the right thing help help entrepreneurs become successful uh, but you can benefit so it's a it's that that's also a, a tremendously enjoyable part Okay, cool. So for those so so for those of our listeners that are listening and they want to better understand, can you explain what angel investment is? Sure. Yeah, the short answer is, you know, we bring together great investors and outstanding, you know, early stage companies to create, you know, life-changing money, uh, both for entrepreneurs and for investors. So, I mean, it, it's you can think of it as as a pseudo marketplace. Uh, on one side, we seek uh, great opportunities, great early stage companies. Uh, on the other side, we go out and we find, you know, investors that want to participate. You know, sort of the next big thing. So that's uh, and, and we do that through a technology platform and 
through meetings and uh, there's lots of processes and procedures that go along with it. But essentially, we just we bring together great investors and great companies. Okay, so so how does so explain to me how this whole thing works? What what does an investor when they first come and they reach out to to your company? What how, how does the whole thing move forward? Okay, uh, you know basically you know as I said we we deal with what we call angels. That term goes back technically to the 1930s, but really became coined with investors in the 1970s. But you know when a company reaches out to us. You know, the first thing we have to be able to do is really find, you know, the diamonds in the rough. Not every company should or can raise capital, uh, and not every investor uh, is going to be suitable to every deal. Uh, So part of this is, you know, finding, as I said, the next big thing, making sure that we do, you know, deep, deep, deep research on the company to evaluate their chance of success and then it's just a matter of bringing our investors in to share their ex- expertise, you know, in markets, their knowledge, their experience, and to help us find the right companies. And then, of course, we all gather together and make, you know, collectively across the country, and we all make one investment in these companies. Uh, and then what we do at that point is we, we call it curation. You can call it whatever you want, but we work with these companies to make sure they have the right access. Uh, they've got to, we can open the doors they need open uh, anything they need in terms of networks um, obviously capital too but you know it goes well beyond just capital in, in making these companies helping to make them successful the good news is um, you know that we benefit from their hard work and innovation and, and angel investors you know 25 to 30 percent you know annualized returns. Uh, which is typically, you know, two to three times better than you can achieve in the stock market any given year, and sometimes dramatically better. Uh, It's it's well within you know the the realm of possibility. I mean, we we know people that have made ten to a thousand times their money back on early stage companies across the industry. Uh, You know, at the same time, I don't want to say you know this is a you know this is a bet bet your retirement plan kind of kind of thing. It's really uh, you know the highly aggressive portion of a, you know a person's you know wealth wealth management. In other words, this is the five to ten percent at the upper end that your financial advisor tells you should be in aggressive investments. Well, that that's what we essentially do, uh, and you know this is in many ways an alternative to investing in the public market. So I think we'll probably t- touch on that later today. So I'm not going to not going to jump in that yet. But you know, as, as I said, the fun part about this is investors get to give back to their communities. Um, and most of the folks we deal with are very successful, you know, entrepreneurs themselves. And uh, they, they love the process of helping uh, other entrepreneurs through. Mm-hmm. That's great. So, so let's, let's just take for a, an example just to consider. So let's say that I'm um, working for a principal who has now suddenly come into a fairly substantial amount of wealth. They have got, they're a sports star and they've got a $50 million contract to, to, as a baseball player. And I'm driving them around. I'm listening to the conversations they're having in the backseat. And are you, is your company reaching out to that person and saying, here's a service that we offer or is our invest, is our principal calling you up and saying, look, I've got all this money now. What do I do with it? And can you give me some guidance as to how to take my 
money that I have or my wealth and use it to make more money or to to do things that are of a philanthropic nature. How how does that process work a little bit? Oh, that's that's a <laughs> you know it's funny you say that. I wish more more <laughs> principals would call me and say I've got all this money I need to invest. Uh, typically, we it's an outreach program for us. We of course do some marketing. Um, we but we are constantly looking for great investors that want to be part of a process like this. So. Um, what you will see definitively if you've achieved a level of wealth is that uh, entrepreneurs, uh, you know, they, they can pick you out of a crowd uh, and you're going to get attacked every time you go to a coffee shop uh, mm-hmm. by entrepreneurs trying to throw business plans at you one after the other after the other. And that can be, it can be intimidating. It can be annoying. It can be, uh, it can you know, jade uh, folks if, if you're not careful. So one of the things that we say to, you know, high net worth individuals is, Come work with us. We'll we'll be the ones that the that the uh, the entrepreneurs uh, you know pounce on at the coffee shop. We're gonna we'll open up a you know put up a shingle and let you know, we'll be that front office and we can help you filter through all the myriad of of opportunities that are gonna come to you and help you along with your peers by sharing this kind of knowledge and information all find the right deals to invest in. So we we can be a bit of a shield for you know for the principal. And keep them from having. I can just say, I only invest through Angel Capital Group, and you know, go talk to them. If they like it, I'll put money in, and it really frees them up to to do what they need to be doing, which is focusing on their day to day businesses, focusing on their families, their estates, whatever whatever it is of that day. But it, typically, it is an outreach for us uh, to find those folks. But we do offer them, as you said, great opportunities to to grow their wealth. So, so Eric, let's flip it around then on the, on the flip side. Uh, so DJ's doing his job as a private service professional. Now I'm doing my job as a vendor or a company that, that needs to have some angel capital investment. How do I find out about your company and, or how do you guys find great companies should be considered uh, a great opportunity to invest in? Yeah, it's it's a it's a similar process. You know, there are uh, in every city uh, across the country there are demo days and entrepreneur celebrations and all sorts of you know, accelerator. They call them accelerators now. They used to call them incubators, where early stage companies can go to be to receive training, to receive exposure, sometimes some capital. And we go to all those conferences. We, you know, do some outbound marketing, obviously, with, with radio shows, with, you know, on the Internet. But you'd be, you'd be shocked how easy it is to find uh, companies that want money <laughs> if you tell them you're giving it away. <laughs> so, and I say give. I, I say that in jest. There are always strings attached, and, and there's, there's some kind of equity transaction attached to it. But if you're, if you're prepared to give uh, entrepreneurs money, you won't have any lack of entrepreneurs that show up to ask for it. Okay. Awesome. Well, the, the next thing then is basically, obviously there, there, there is some type of, um, of difference between the stock market and, um, and being an, an angel investor. So with that being said, um, what is the difference between the stock market and being an angel investor? Um, that's a 
it's a, it really is a phenomenal discussion. The what we've seen over, especially the last a little over a decade, is you know the the public markets have changed a bit, and, and I don't think a lot of people really understand how they've changed. Um, you know, we we talk about the IPO market, the initial public offering, because that's when most in the past, prior to about 2002, 2003, no, actually, I take it back, was uh, Enron, the Enron scandal. Prior to the whole Enron scandal, you know, companies could go on the public markets with $10 million in revenue and they could, and, and grow, create most of their value in the public market. I mean, you look at Microsoft created 99% of its total value in the public market. But with the Enron scandal came Sarbanes-Oxley, which was a protection mechanism put in place, uh, legal. It was made into uh, codified into law, but it changed the fundamental economics of going public. Uh, so what we see now is companies don't even consider going public until they have a hundred million in revenue, and many are going private because of the headaches that this that this causes. So. You know, ultimately, the, 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 we, we aren't seeing the best and brightest necessarily go public. What we're seeing is public companies acquiring, obviously, the best and the brightest. So they do sort of inadvertently become public. But um, we're, we're dealing with companies at a much, much, much earlier stage, typically. Um, and, and, quite frankly, it's much more exciting. But, you know, you look at – I said Microsoft created 99% of its wealth in the public market. You know, Facebook's created only about 50 uh, as an example, so the public market has shifted, but you know the angel market, the angel investing market, has been pretty consistent. Um, we've seen, we have seen some changes uh, in the last decade or so, as a lot of the venture capitalists that used to be in the space have really moved out of it. They've moved to later and later stage deals. So the angels have had to become sort of the professionals in this industry, evaluating early companies. The great news is. You know, this is the best performing asset class in the market. And you know, as I said, we can see 25 to 30 percent annualized returns in this market. And in fact, in 2010, high the recession, angel investing industry was still getting 27 percent returns, uh, which was two and a half times the S&P 500. So um, tr- tremendous opportunity to create wealth in this market. Uh, and in many ways, we're in uncharted territory in the in the uh, in the public markets. Uh, you know, this the whole the great credit contraction, the, re- the recession we just you know, sort of went through. You know, they're writing new rules. So you know, we think this is you know the this is a, a great opportunity. It's a great time to be uh, in angel investing, and you know the the returns can typically you know we, we can see returns that you couldn't even dream about in the public and uh, public uh, markets. Okay, excellent. Well, that kind of goes and feeds into the to the next piece. Then is, you know, in reviewing the your your website, obviously you have a quote on there that says, um, "Betting on stocks is like betting on a horse race at the end of the race." So what I'm assuming that that you guys are using that analogy for is to basically say that anyone who's dealing in the stock market already knows the what the the end of the race and you're betting on uh, on a very successful horse whereas if you're taking the 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 angel investment side you're betting on a horse that has yet to actually perform uh as well as it hopefully will perform is that correct absolutely and, and one of the things i probably need to at this point make sure you understand is just like betting on horses this is high risky this high risk stuff <laughs> um it's right. not 
this is not, you know, you invest $10 today and you, you pull $1,000 out, you know, in five weeks. It's it's a longer process. One of the, the challenges, yes, clearly, you know, if you bet long odds on a horse and they come in, it, it's essentially the same kind of concept. You you pick the, the horse that you believe is really going to be the winner and, you know, you, you invest what you're willing to lose and the reality is if that horse comes in, you, you win, you know, you win big. Uh, so, you know, again, the, the risk of losing it all is there. And the other problem we have, you mentioned the stock market, uh, one of the challenges we have is that with private companies, there is no stock exchange for private equity stocks. Uh, so this is this this is the this is the downside of this whole thing is that we have no liquidity, quote unquote. We can't sell these shares at will. Um, so you know we have to really, you know we have to really be um, sure of a company, and we benefit when that company either does an initial public offering or when they are acquired by you know a Fortune you know 1000 company. So uh, there there are some big differences, but you know the again it's it's the it's high risk, and it is, it is a lot like betting on a on a horse race, and the the you know whether or not you can pick the right horse. That's great, Eric. Does your does your company look at uh, potential investment opportunities just in the United States, or are you looking at investment opportunities uh, on a global basis? Right now, domestic uh, domestic investing is our exclusively investing uh, domestically. We've looked very seriously. We're, we're in a growth m- mode right now. We're in, we have investors in 10 cities right now across the country, and we expect to be in about 20 by the end of the year. <clears throat> so um, we expect to have a national footprint. Mm, certainly by next, you know, the end of next year, we expect to have a, a national footprint for doing this. And at that point, we probably will start turning our sights toward uh, Europe and Asia. I mean, we're seeing the growth of entrepreneurship, you know, around the globe, but, you know, especially India, China, uh, you know, many, many, many uh, areas around the country. So uh, around the world, I'm sorry. So we we probably will at some point, maybe within the next five years, we'll we'll seek to go into more global perspective. But, you know, for now, this is still, you know, this is still the bullseye for, uh, you know, private equity investing in terms of technology startups. It's the U.S. We're, we're, the, we're the hotbed. And so we're starting here. All right. Well, it's always good to start close to, close to home, right? It is. Plus, we can reach <laughs> so, out and touch these companies. We have, we have people yeah. that can touch these companies when they need it. Yeah, exactly. Well, at this point, uh, we're about halfway through the show, guys. So let me go ahead and, and do uh, do what we normally do. Um, for any of the listeners that are out there listening, if you would like to participate with today's show, with any questions that you have, please feel free to press the number one if you're listening on your phone. Or if you'd like to text in a question, uh, you can do so by texting to 313 404 Three nine nine eight. Once again, that texting number is three one three four zero four three nine nine eight. Or you can post your questions on our Facebook page, or you can tweet them at hashtag Dima Live. So, with that being said, you know obviously you're talking about you guys are in ten cities, uh, and uh, you expect to be within twenty cities by the end of the year, uh, which will give you that global footprint uh, on a little bit closer. Uh, question from from a not only a private service professional side but also from a uh, from a business side. How much time do you think uh, 
an angel investor, once they decide they want to invest in the company, how much time do you think an investor spends with that company after they've invested in the company? It, it always comes down to time management, uh, and, and that can be a real challenge. Um, there are a couple of things. One, as an organization, we spend between 40 and 60 hours on every company that we evaluate for investment. And then some of those we don't invest in. So that's time, that's time, that is time lost. Um, <clears throat> the other thing you'll see is about once we've made an investment, we spend about one to five hours a month reviewing that company's progress and needs. But uh, that's as an organization. But you know, in, in, as an individual, every company in which you invest does require some amount of time, obviously approval of actions, uh, dealing with tax issues, um, reporting, reading reports from these companies and figuring out how to help them. So you probably look for an, an average angels probably spending two to, I would probably 10 on the high side, but more usually in the two to three hours a month would be spent reviewing companies, meeting with them uh, and, and evaluating their needs. But the fun you know the fun of this whole industry is that you know you're you're an inside you're an inside and in, you know insider as they say in the stock market in the public market you're insider trading we're we're part of these companies we help guide these companies and when you find a company that you know really fits in your sweet spot where you've got some you know some ability to you know to help them you know add value to that company then some investors spend some time joining boards of directors and things like that and that can, that can, that's where the real time comes in if you on the downside of an investment. And that could be 10 to 20 hours a month if you really get involved in a company. But I think the important thing is that's why we do this as a group with hundreds and hundreds of investors around the country. So, you know, you know many hands make for light work and, and protect the, the portfolio investments. Eric, this is a really interesting concept, and I, I think probably a lot of our listeners may not even be familiar with the whole idea of, of angel investing, whereas we've probably all heard of investing in the stock market or investing in real estate or investing in art collections and that sort of thing. And I, I'm just intrigued as to where you see this all heading in the future, if this is something that is, is going to really grow as a way that high net worth individuals uh, invest their their capital and their wealth, or what do you see as as the future for this industry? Yeah, this this well, angel investing is here to stay. I mean, uh, the, the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, you know, is, is really being driven hard by Congress to increase angel investing because there is a absolute one to one correlation between the health of our economy and the number of startups. Uh, in fact, actually, the Bureau of Labor published some statistics about five years ago that basically said all net job growth in the country since 1980 has been in startup companies. Uh, so that, so it's the engine for job creation. Uh, and so they're being driven, the whole industry is being driven forward. And, and here's the interesting part. Um, they've, the SEC has recently, in fact, I'll go live in May. You don't just have to be, it's not just a sport for the high net worth individual anymore. Uh, actually, as of May, everyone, since, for the first time since 1930, will be allowed to invest uh, in private equity. And, and that's so, sort of a, that, that's sort of the exciting part here. We're, we're sort of witnessing a, an entirely new uh, path for, uh, for, well, for investors of, of all income levels. Um, 
you know, the other thing, you know, that, that I love to talk about was the other part of this is community development. Everybody wants to, you know, they want to, they want to work where they want to live now, not the other way around. So we're seeing uh, innovation all you know, is sort of leaving the coasts uh, and, and it's really moving into the heartland of the country. Uh, and so you call it greener pastures, call it whatever you want, but, you know, capturing innovation, harvesting that innovation in your backyard has never been easier. You know, there's, there's great opportunities, great professionals all over the place. So, you know, we all want, you know, economic conditions uh, in our communities so our children can find the right jobs in this, you know, tech economy, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and so, you know, we're seeing, you know, in some ways, I think a resurgence of the great American community. And so uh, that's going to be driven in large part by angel investing. So great time to be an angel, not going anywhere. And in fact, the SEC is making it easier and easier for uh, for folks of all income levels to invest in private equity. I, I will say the other piece of this is that I mentioned there was no liquidity uh, earlier. One of the things that we are looking seeing now is a, a, an entirely new regulation that was released, I guess, last year called Reg A+. Plus. I know that, that sounds intimidating, but what it basically says is companies can now raise up to $50 million from non-accredited investors, in other words, from, from anyone they wish, with the documentation that essentially once would have been enough to go public. So they're trying to restore that what we call small cap uh, initial public offering. So companies can go essentially go public uh, with with less revenue so that they can create these private equity exchanges that are going to mimic the public equity exchanges. So, you know, again, this is this is a great time in history to be part of this industry. Lots of exciting stuff coming. And, um, you know, we're just we're just happy to be part of it. Well, I think that that's an important that that's a very important segment right there that that you just touched on, Eric, from from a private service professional standpoint, and that's that we've always said with with Dima is that you know we want people to understand that the ultra high net worth are people that can help drive the economy. And they're the ones that are going to invest in small businesses. They're the ones that are going to create job opportunities. Not necessarily the government doing that, but the, it's the high net worth individuals that are doing that. And the support that those high net worth individuals get from the private service professionals in helping them manage and run their daily life uh, pieces that, that normally – you know, could get in the way uh, of helping a startup business um, or or an angel uh, business. You know, that's that's why this is an important discussion. And so, you know, I we appreciate you being on the show to be able to help educate everyone on that. Um, and and I, I think that it's just one of these things where we have to keep kind of helping provide those educational topics. So, with that being said, Fantastic. you know, my uh, my my first. My, you know, one of the first things when we first met um, is I always thought it was interesting how you got your start in this industry. So, could you briefly touch on that so that everyone kind of gets a feel for you know where you're coming from? You know, absolutely. I, it's it's kind of fuzzy. It's funny. I uh, I started out this this life as a professional, as a as, as I jokingly say, a fuzzy-haired scientist working for the government. So, you know, it's not by any stretch of the imagination your standard path to leading a you know, a financial company with designs on taking over the world. So, <laughs> but I was literally working uh, on, on an old Navy base in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, 
the old Navy base. Uh, and, and one day I just decided in frustration to start a business. And I had no clue what that meant or how to do that. Um, and it, it set about a, 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 a phenomenal odyssey, if you will. And uh, 15 years later, you know, I've founded three companies. Uh, I've assisted probably another half dozen startups you know, when I was an entrepreneur and then evaluated in uh, hundreds of companies and invested in probably led investments for Angel Capital Group in about 25 companies in the last, you know, three and a half years. So, you know, it's been exciting. It's been a lot of fun, uh, sort of re- changing, lock, stock and barrel changing careers. You know, I was invited to join Angel Capital Group in 12 after a buyout uh, with my last company. Uh, and it was actually a company which ACG invested. So that's how I got to know everybody. But, you know, it, it's been a great opportunity for me both personally and professionally. And, you know, I like to tell people I have the greatest job in the world. You know, I get to work with, you know, exciting entrepreneurs, uh, successful business people, uh, and create these incredible companies that someday will be household names and, and you know, create you know, life-changing, life-changing wealth for, you know, investors and entrepreneurs. So, you know, the hours are long. Uh, it can be expensive, and it's pretty financially risky. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're making a difference in the world, and I get to get up every morning, uh, you know, happy to take on the world, knowing that that's the case. Yeah. Eric, I have a question. I'd like to ask. One of the things that DEMA, the Domestic Estate Management Association, is doing is creating. Uh, uh, relationships between both vendors who sell products to individuals who mm-hmm. work in private service and folks who work in the industry. And I have a, a question I'd like to ask as far as the vendor side of this. If if some of our listeners who are vendors who sell and services and sell products to the private service industry are listening today and they have an idea or have a concept for expanding their business, how would they find an entrepreneurial workshop or how would they get their idea for growing their business into the angel uh, investor community for consideration? I think of one uh, of our members that has developed uh, an environmentally friendly cleaning product, for instance, mm-hmm. would, how would they, how would, how would the process go if, if some of our vendor members wanted to I- explore this as a possible way of growing their business? Yeah, you know, we get that question a lot. It's uh, there are distinct stages to a company's growth, and you know, there's sort of the concept stage. You know, the the aha moment when you when you figure out found something interesting uh, that probably has some economic value. Somebody who's going to buy this, and, and at that stage, unfortunately, nobody invests. <laughs> it's we we jokingly say that at that point, it's only the people that love you. It's friends and family. Uh, they'll invest in you at that stage. When you've taken that the next step and you've actually – you're able to demonstrate the product and you have some data to back it up, perhaps you've got intellectual property, you've created a patent, or uh, even even a, even a trademark uh, can, can be considered a you know, valuable intellectual property. Um, at that point, you can start to get investors interested. Now, there – I mentioned an accelerator network, and most states have – accelerator networks, either state-funded or privately funded around the country now, and those are really sort of entrepreneur institutes. And they're typically six to 12-week, you know, kind of courses where, you know, the, the entrepreneur is sort of coached on how to 
you know, how, how to package up a deal and present it to investors. You know, I, I, the irony being, I, I think many of your members already know how to talk to the wealthy, and I think that's that's something I see lacking in so many entrepreneurs today. They don't understand the audience, uh, and so I think in some ways, I think your members would have a, a tremendous leg up. Uh, in this because they already understand the, the needs of, of these high net worth, high net worth individuals and know how to talk to them. And that's a, that's not a small deal. Uh, but yeah. those accelerators are very good at training you on sort of the business side of things. Uh, and at that point, once you've got um, some momentum with the, with the product, uh, you've got some, hopefully some, what we call, beta, you know, customers, we've got somebody out there that says, I like this. And once perfected, I would be willing to buy it at this price. That's when investors typically start to get excited about these things. And you can really start to, you know, command the capital investment. Uh, but, you know, it, it's a great question. And I think in many ways, I think some of your members would have a natural transition uh, into, you know, raising capital and, and working with angel groups simply because of their familiarity with the audience. Yeah, yeah, I I can certainly see that. Well, I just as we're getting close to the end of the show, I I just wanted to thank you. I I think that working in private service myself and and in having discussions with my colleagues, it, it can very easily uh, happen that we would be in a situation where we we don't always appreciate the kinds of stresses that our employers and mm-hmm. our principals have to deal with. And I know that as a principal who's dealing with high net wealth and they're making big decisions about making investments that can influence not only their lives, but the lives of literally hundreds and thousands of other people based on the decisions that they're making. I think it's really important for us to just reflect on the role that the folks in private service have in supporting those individuals. And that's a big part of what we see our industry is doing is really lifting up and helping to support people who work in, in the area that, that we're talking about today. And so maybe just as you reflect on the kinds of things that you, you see as you speak with and deal with the investors, what are some of the things that you see that they are considering and that they're thinking about as they, as they go about making decisions to make these investments? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting point. The, um, in a lot of ways, you know, high net worth individuals, you know, I mentioned responsibility and opportunity. Um, in a lot of ways, they become a business themselves, which is, can be very mm-hmm. stressful. That's a lot of responsibility to, you know, support their families, support their communities. Obviously, they've got they've got staff, they've got people that report to them, uh, and. You know, I have the luxury, you know, I go home at night and I, I can set my business aside and, and just spend time with my family. But in many ways, these folks don't have that ability. They, you know, if they don't, the buck starts, stops with them. Some think that uh, wealth, you know, breeds the kind of luxury and, and, and the kind of time that we all we all dream about. But the reality is the, the responsibilities of managing that can be quite overwhelming. So, you know, from our side, you know, one of the reasons that we like DEMA so much is the fact that we're both supporting the same group of people just from different mm-hmm. sides of the, uh, of, of, the, of, the, of the coin, if you will. But, you know, giving them the ability to focus on the important things that better result in, you know, growth in their communities, um, you know, supporting, you know, th- that, that's really what we're all, what we're all here to do is make sure those people can focus on what they do best. 
Well, I think, I, you know, one of the things that I'm going to say, and this is, this is a perfect time to segue into something that I need to, to address here while we're on the show, but, you know, when you talk about management and, and managing lifestyles, um, I think that that's a very important piece of what DEMA is trying to help provide for all of our private service professionals so that they have the resources to be able to better uh, manage the the day-to-day situations that that they run into. So with that being said, um, I wanted to to briefly uh, uh, get a a plug in here for our uh, 2016 uh, management conference, which will be a one-day conference. And we're going to be talking, uh, we're going to have six speakers that will be coming in. We're going to be addressing, you know, lifestyle management pieces such as uh, HR, um, a legal perspective on managing employees, payroll, and human resources. We're going to be talking about managing art collections. We're going to be talking about management of home automation systems. We're going to have a, another person there talking about global emergency management uh, we're going to have wardrobe management and styling. And then the last piece that I think is so important, we're going to be getting some interaction between some of our actual private service professional members as we get them together on a panel and they discuss the best practices for managing suppliers, companies, and vendors. So um, if people are interested in uh, attending that convention, that, that conference, they can definitely uh, go to our website, uh, click under the, uh, uh, the annual convention, uh, an events tab, and you'll be able to register for that. So that'll be going on on the uh, 23rd of April. So with that being said, um, let's get back into it here. I got time for about one more question, uh, Eric. Obviously, we definitely appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to be on the show. Um, I guess the last thing that I want to address real quickly is how did Angel Capital Group uh, come to, to to be a partner with DEMA? Well, uh, we saw an article in Forbes about DEMA, and so it triggered a discussion with with you and, and your partner Mike about uh, you know how you know DEMA could help uh, our high net worth individuals. You know, quite frankly, we we think there's some fantastic uh, benefits to to uh, the DEMA, the whole DEMA Association program. That's redundant. DEMA's program. Uh, they can benefit our members, uh, and, and we're hoping. Obviously, we can we can reciprocate with some education for your market. I think that's what we're here to do today. But you know, again, you know, we're exploring ways of of helping each other be more successful. But at the same time, again, we're serving the same audience, <laughs> and hopefully, we can learn a little bit from uh, from Dima ourselves. Excellent. Well, listen, unfortunately, time flies when you're having a good time. And so many times I think uh, DJ and I have said this to each other. It it never seems like 45 minutes is long enough. Um, But, uh, Eric, we really want to thank you for being on this edition of DEMA Live. Um, We'd also like to uh, thank any of our uh, participants that were on the show as well. Uh, As always, if you have any further questions regarding how you can become more involved in your local chapter of DEMA, Uh, or you have questions about the private service industry, uh, or maybe you want to get some more information on the uh, management conference that we'll be doing in April, uh, please feel free to send those uh, questions to info at domesticmanagers.com. Once again, that is I-N-F-O at domesticmanagers.com. We're excited to announce that DJ and I will be back on the air next Wednesday, March the 9th, when we'll be joined by Hoffman Landscaping as we discuss outdoor preparation for springtime. This event will begin, as always, at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. As always, I've been your host, Matthew Hack, and I look forward to talking with all of you again next week.
pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you.